From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Mike Lieberman. Welcome to What's Wrong With Revenue. It's a big day here at What's Wrong With Revenue. You might not know this, but we're moving out of our office today. So Eric and I are in the office in this the What's Wrong With Revenue studio, which will be shifting locations starting next episode. Uh, we're packing up the studio and we're uh, gonna be going full remote starting next week and the studio is going to shift to a new location so look for that in next week's episode we'll talk about that towards the end of the show today we also have a happy hour for the crew who came in to help us clean out the office so if we finish a few minutes early you'll you'll know why we're headed out to have some drinks with the crew here at square two so um appreciate everybody yes isn't that called going on tour we're taking the show on tour. Well, yeah. if we were going to go from location to location, yes, maybe I would think so. But I feel like our upcoming locations might be limited. So it'll be a short stop tour, if you will. Um, I also wanted to note, I've had a lot of, uh, over the past week since the last show, a lot of people have mentioned to me that they've listened to the show, they're enjoying the show. Uh, they've commented about things that we've said on the show. And I just wanted to mention to our audience, you know, when you do this kind of content, I know I'm speaking for myself. Sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to Eric, right? I'm like, why are we doing this? And we're into episode 35, which is really the, the show is in it still. It's, it's a toddler, basically. So you have some context for how far into this we are. But sometimes it feels like, well, why are we doing this? Who's listening to it? Like, what, what's the point of it? And I just wanted to share with people who are thinking about doing a podcast, thinking about doing a live cast, thinking about doing videos, you have to stick with it. We're at episode 35. All the research I've done around YouTube and podcasting is you have to get 100 episodes. So we're still so early in this. And it was just encouraging to me over the past week or so to have people mention the show, people mention things that we said on the show, people talk about our, uh, had a few people mention to me the LinkedIn snippets on the show that we post. So uh, it's obviously getting some traction. Not everybody has to join us live to get value from the show. Obviously, we publish it on all of these platforms so people can view it on demand when, they, when they're when they ready to listen to it as opposed to when we're ready to broadcast it. So a little shout out to all of our audience. Thank you very much for the comments. Keep them coming. It really helps us feel good about what we're doing and, and feel like we're helping everybody uh, along the way. Uh, so what are we going to do today? Episode 35, what's wrong with revenue? Well, today we're going to talk about your approach. It just might not be agile enough. And it's interesting because, you know, when I, before Square Two, when I ran marketing for a couple of different companies, I did a 12-month marketing plan. And I think everybody did a 12-month marketing plan. And today, the 12-month marketing plan is basically an, an artifact of a bygone day. We just don't work like that anymore. 
we don't talk about that anymore. I think the last time we did a 12 month marketing plan, Eric at Square Two might have been 2015 or so. So you're talking about, you know, seven, eight years since we've even uh, done a plan like that. And our perspective is look, if you're planning out more than two or three months, it could very well be a waste of time. You know, instead, take a look at what's working from your revenue generation efforts and consider an agile methodology around this. And we're going to go into this in a great degree of detail today. This requires a very specific set of rituals and practices, and it takes its cue from the software development space where Agile was originally created, and it really uses feedback and data to drive future versions. And we're gonna apply some very similar concepts today that we'll share with you about how we apply feedback and data to drive future versions of campaigns, of marketing planning, of asset creation. And in this case, uh, it really means that your short-term planning has to change, your midterm planning has to change, it all has to be very data-driven and based on performance and not opinions. And this is really going to be one of the ways that you produce a significant lift in terms of results. However, this does take a lot of practice and discipline. And again, we'll cover some of that here with you guys today. Um, some of the points we're going to cover today are really what agile means. When we talk to people about it, sometimes I feel like, oh, yes, we're agile. And they feel like, they're flexible, right? That's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about Agile with a capital A, not just being able to shift quickly or pivot when you learn something, but really practicing a very specific methodology. We're gonna talk about the rhythms associated with Agile as it relates to revenue generation. Um, we're gonna talk about some of the rituals that come out of Agile for marketing and sales. Uh, we'll talk about some of the roles you might need and the timing associated with moving to Agile. And we'll also talk like we try to do in most episodes what kind of improvements you should expect from a shift to this kind of methodology. And like we always do, we have a nice collection of questions that we will handle towards the second half of the show. So Eric, anything you'd like to share with us to kick off our show today? Yeah, I liked your comment about Agile with a capital A. You know, the methodology is not one that aside from software and technology firms that a lot of people have heard about or uh, certainly have utilized. So I think we should spend some time kind of defining the capital A Agile because in itself, the methodology makes sense for marketing companies like ours. Yeah. So why don't we start there? I think that's a great place to start trying to explain a little bit of how, what, what Agile means to us and how we apply it for clients and how you could potentially apply it inside your marketing department. And really what it starts with is taking a more data-driven and a client-centric approach to thinking through the work that needs to get done to get your marketing and sales and, and even customer service execution going. So um, to be more specific, there are some rituals and rhythms that we follow around this. So for instance, uh, we do 90-day strategy sessions with our clients, and then we do 30-day sprint planning with our clients. We, we, we want to understand at a high level where their business is going and what things are impacting them and maybe what priorities they have as a company, what's going on with their industry, competition, uh, what things are they thinking about in terms of the company. And that conversation really helps us inform our recommendations to help them hit their revenue goals. Also, that conversation has to be um, highlighted by the, the goals that they're expecting over that 90-day period. That could be new customers signed, it could be revenue, it could be profitability, it could be leads, it could be sales opportunities. 
whatever those goals are for the next 90 days, we want to understand them and we want to build a program that supports the company's strategic business objectives. And while 90 days might seem like a short amount of time, it's a relatively long amount of time from a marketing perspective and a sales perspective. So we then break up that three month period into three 30 day sprints. And what the three 30 day sprints allow us to do is get our team together, look at the data and the performance of the company's current marketing or the work that we've done for them over the past couple of months, and then come back to them and say, hey, this is what we recommend. And this is what your budget is. So we're recommending the set of work within your budget. And uh, based on what you told us your goals are, here are, the, here are the executables that we think are going to help you hit your goals. And we then collaborate with our clients to agree that this is uh, good for them. And we agree that this is what they need to hit their goals. And we lock that in. And then we sprint on it. Now, sometimes we sprint for a week very heavily and then look at it and, and collaborate and analyze and review performance for three weeks. Sometimes the 30-day sprint might look a little more spread out over the course of the month. That obviously depends on our clients and how they want to work with us. We can work with them both ways. Um, so maybe that analysis and, and insights are a little more ingrained into what we're doing each week, as opposed to that period where we're watching campaigns run and providing feedback and insights. Um, our team behind the scenes sits down and, and has an active discussion about what we think is needed and we're bringing resources in. So if we're going to run paid campaigns, we might talk to our paid specialists. If we're going to make website optimizations, we would talk to our website team. If we're going to be doing content work, the content team would be, you know, having in input into what content is needed. And that cycle runs every single month. Internally, we're discussing it. We're presenting it to our client. We're having a collaborative conversation with them. And then they are then signing off on it. And then we are executing it in the upcoming month. And then that just goes on every single month, always being adjusted based on the performance of the campaigns and the data that we have and the shifting priorities. It's a very solid methodology to drive a data-driven approach to that is, that is um, focused on the performance of the campaign as opposed to maybe just getting stuff done and checking some boxes about things that have been added or as we like to say, stuff that has been delivered. Stuff is fine at some point in, in the process, but we really wanna make sure that stuff is turning into business outcomes. And that's where the analysis and review comes into play. Anything you wanna to add to that, Ark? Yeah, well, you know, I, uh, your description was accurate, but it felt a little tactical. And I wanna make sure that we always emphasize to the audience that it all starts from strategy. So when the team is huddling and they're trying to figure out what are the next most impactful steps that we could take to drive results for a client, it always goes back to the strategy that we developed originally, right? Who do we want to target? Pains and problems, solutions, how do they receive their information? What are the expectations on the uh, performance of the program? And then saying, okay, well, based upon that, we can say yes to these three things, but maybe this is not the top priority. So, you know, it always comes back to strategy. Um, you know, we laugh a lot on our show about random acts of marketing, right? And that's easy. Let's just pick anything to do. Much harder to tie the tactical things that are done in each 30-day sprint to the overall strategy. The analysis is, you know, the bowling alley with the bumpers, okay? If I'm a kid and they put up those bumpers, I could just throw the ball any old way and it could bounce off the bumper 73 times and then finally hit one pin. 
But if I'm very strategic, I could let it rip down the middle of the lane, whether there's bumpers there or not, and knock them all down. And I think that's the difference between having a focus on strategy guiding the decisions versus random acts of marketing. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, uh, you know, the strategy, having that 90 minute strategy conversation allows you to always circle back to strategy. And, and, you know, we're talking a little bit about an agency deployment model, but just so you understand, if you're trying to run this in-house, it's the same thing. You're going to want to meet with leadership team. You're going to want to meet with your, your boss, your CMO, or your, your CEO, and make sure that the strategy is always clear. Everyone's on the same page and that you can dictate to your in-house team exactly what they need to do to meet that strategy. You're all, you know, it kind of prevents you from ever being off course, right? And, and being off course can be extremely wasteful from a marketing perspective. If you're spending three whole months doing something and it's not aligned with the company's strategy, that's a quarter of your year that you've just kind of, you know, flushed down the toilet. So I think Eric's point about strategy is very well taken and, and critically important, uh, especially when it comes to those business outcomes. What are the business outcomes you're trying to generate? The marketing has to be very specific around supporting that. Well, that's the, uh, you know, the old marketing plan, right? I'm going to work three months to develop this brochure. By the time you get it to the printer and it's back, the strategy of the company has uh, pivoted slightly and now it's obsolete. And we don't want any of that. Yeah. I mean, that even happens with us. I mean, we have clients who change their mind month to month, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of companies, you may be experiencing this if you're working in one, smaller entrepreneur companies are very quick to pivot and those pivots impact marketing and sales execution. So if that pivot is going down, the, the more runway you can get around that, the better you can prepare for it. If so, you know, your CEO rolls into your office tomorrow and says, Hey, Sorry about this, but we're not doing anything with product A anymore. It's all about product C. And you have a campaign scheduled for product A launching later that week. You know, that's a big uh, grenade rolled into your department. If you had a little heads up on that, you could have planned accordingly for it. And this methodology really helps. The other thing that I think is probably worth talking about is, I don't know anyone, and Eric, you've asked me this question many times. I don't know anybody who has an unlimited marketing budget or an unlimited budget for any of this kind of execution. So ultimately there's always going to be this prioritization exercise that has to go down too. you know, you're not probably going to be able to do everything you want to do every single month. So again, applying some of this methodology around what's going to have the biggest impact for the least amount of effort, getting those things scheduled and planned first, and then putting those bigger things in towards the end, that's going to be one way to ensure you're hitting your, your business objectives, you're aligned with strategy and the marketing and the sales execution is performing. Not to say that you can't plan for a big project like a website rebuild or a big content um, project, but uh, if, you, if all you're doing that month is, is a new website and you're letting all your other executables just sit, you're obviously going to impact performance in a negative way. Agreed. Okay, good. So... Let's talk a little bit about some of the rhythms and rituals associated with Agile. So, you know, like we said, Agile is born in the software development space. It, it kind of came from this idea that software companies used to work on their products and they used to work on them and work on them and work on them and hold them very close to the vest and then launch them when they were ready. And it could be years before the product is ready. And what they were starting to find was that when they came to market, they were getting beat out by products that had gotten to market sooner, but had a lot less features, which might be a little counterintuitive until you realize that people 
start using products, even if they're in beta or, or have less features, they get attached to those products and they don't want to switch. People don't really want to change. They don't really want to learn new products and they just stick with what they've been using. And software companies started to realize it was better to get a minimum viable product out there and uh, get feedback from clients and make a lot of small adjustments more frequently than hold the product, hold the product and hold the product and then kick out another big release, you know, 12 months after their first release. And a lot of those, a lot of that thinking works with marketing and sales execution. Also, you don't want to hold your website and work on it for a whole year when you can put a couple of pages out there in a month, get feedback on those pages, make adjustments to it and add new pages. It's better to roll a little bit of, of marketing out, get feedback on it and make adjustments. Remember, you know, we're not doing the big 50 page printed brochure anymore, where if you blow it, you're stuck with a thousand brochures and you're not getting that brochure redone until you run out of a thousand brochures today. In most cases, everything's electronic. It's very easy to change. Uh, done is better than perfect in almost every circumstance because you're going to get feedback on it. Sales, hey, we really like this. Hey, we really don't like this. Prospects are going to go to your website. You're going to get data on what things they're clicking on, what pages they're spending more time on. You'll actually be able to make a lot smarter decisions faster if you get stuff out there and you let people start using it. And again, Agile is all built for quick feedback, quick iterations, publish, 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 look at data, republish, make adjustments, and uh, apply this continual improvement approach to both marketing and sales. Maybe, Eric, you could talk a little about some of the sales execution when it comes to process and tools, but it works the same um, with the support of your sales process, just like it does with the support of your marketing materials. Yeah, 100%. You know, I just want to go back to your comment about the brochure website kind of thing. So, you know, we offer clients uh, two different ways to publish a website, right? The Big Bang Theory, which is your 50 pages complete and done, posted and the project's concluded, or growth-driven design. Let's start with 10 pages and add five per month as the data rolls in and we make adjustments. Mike, when was the last time we even did a Big Bang Theory? I mean, it's got to be two years. Not two very years, frequently. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. we try to talk them out of it, but yeah, we don't do that very frequently. Well, because it doesn't make sense. Plus, you know, if I get data like, oh, look, people really like this offer on this page. Well, let me put something similar on the next page of developing going on that data that that worked and it did it. So I think that that's a, a really good microcosm of how Agile works better. Couldn't agree more. Uh, and I think if you look around the way you see sites delivered to, you'll notice that they, you know, maybe they come out, they're a little small. Like how many websites have you been to? There's really like one long page. People actually like that, right? It's easy to digest. It's easy to scroll through. It's not too much. Uh, uh, it's not overwhelming at all. And then as they start to see those areas that people are interested in, they might add a page for this, add a page for that. It's a much smarter way to go about it than trying to build a, a 20 page website and it taking months and months and months. The market changes before you even get your website out. So we talked a little bit about some of the rhythms, about the planning rhythm, about the uh, prioritization uh, rituals. There's another ritual associated with Agile that I think is worth talking about briefly, and that is there's a uh, very consistent ritual around um, what's working and what's not working. And we call it a retrospective. So, you know, if you're running a campaign, if you launched a website, if your 30-day sprint is over, 
it makes sense for you to get together with the people that participated in that and have a conversation, even if it's for a half an hour, about what worked, what didn't work, and what could be done better. There is a very uh, clear directive around Agile associated with continuous improvement. It's much different than the waterfall approach that a lot of people take to marketing where you have the giant Gantt chart and you're just, you know, watching the steps track down and it's just ongoing. There's no opportunity to pause and say, how are we doing? You're just waiting for this giant project plan to finish. And with Agile, there's always this check-in about how we did. Hey, this thing we did last month worked really well. Hey, this piece of the campaign worked much better than we expected. Um, this website launch, hey, this piece of it was, was um, clunky, didn't work so great. You know, that's an opportunity to have a conversation internally about what you could do better the next time. And that, that, that uh, the ideas that are uncovered in those retrospectives have to then get applied in the next month's work or in the next campaign or in the next section of the website that's getting added so that you're constantly getting better. And I think that's one of the benefits of Agile that you typically don't get in Waterfall is there's this idea that we're going to be continuously improving what we're doing and constantly trying to make it better. And again, not only does the data inform that, but the people participating in the process informs it as well. If you have the right people participating, you have a 360 degree perspective on the project, which really gives you good insight into how your team is executing and where some of the holes might be. Anything you want to add? No, you're doing okay. a heck of a job. Uh, All right, good. Let me well, keep rolling I, here. I, I, the no, the whole thing is about velocity, okay? Good point. So, you know, in the agile methodology, we assign points, right? There's, there's sometimes referred to as story points and each point is worth some kind of effort. So to use simple, let's say a client is uh, buying 100 points each month, right? So in the first month where you're just starting to get some momentum, maybe you could do five things with those 100 points. But using your concept of the retrospective, after the first month, we're like, oh, yeah, that, that was a little clunky. Let's see if we're going to do this this way in the second month. Now you can squeeze out 12 points, right? Now we're the third month, 20 points. And then it's on its way to really iterating faster and faster. So the velocity is the measurement of how you're doing as a team, improving the processes, moving faster, not faster for faster sake, but faster to get more effective things done. So if you think about the audience's typical marketing program, maybe they're happy doing five things a month, but if they did 10 things that month with the same amount of people in the same budget, then you would be that much better results. And that's where velocity really uh, can impact a agile program. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That is really the core measurement of how you're doing in agile, it is velocity. So, you know, to Eric's point, if you are, um, running an email cam campaign and it's taking you typically, um, you know, six hours or six points in the beginning and you keep getting better and better and better. And now it's taking you four points or potentially four hours or then three hours because you keep getting better and you keep improving it. You know, you're going to be able to do more things. And back to our earlier conversation about having to prioritize the more efficient your team can run and the more velocity the team can produce, the more you're going to be able to get done during that sprint. So it's a critical measure of how the team is performing, 
we are we we do want to talk about improvements in results and that probably is one of the best little known metrics that you do want to keep track is velocity uh, individual velocity for the people on the team the team's velocity you know potentially the department's velocity uh, and now you can start comparing those month over month it's not a metric that will continue to improve every single month eventually you are going to hit a ceiling in terms of the, the team's velocity but that will be apparent when you start to have a very high performing team that is producing a significant amount of shipping a significant amount of points and, and showing a significant amount of velocity every single month or whatever time frame you decide to sprint around you know agile you can run a weekly sprint which is typically scrum you can run a two-week sprint which is also scrum at square two we run a 30-day sprint which is kanban and kanban and scrum not to geek out here on the details but it's really just two versions of agile one is a shorter tighter set of work that everybody agrees to the Kanban work is a more loosely and free flowing set of work that generally people are agreeing to work comes in and out of the shelf uh, in more uh, frequent than it does in the one or two week sprints associated with with scrum. So again, it's a detail. If you want to Google both of those things, you'll see the differences. They're really it's really kind of a nuance, but spell Kanban for the listeners. Kanban, K-A-N-B-A. A-N? I don't think it's two A's. Can-ban. C-A-N-B-A-N. Oh, C-A-N-B-A-N, but it's yes. not C-A-N-B-A-N. Right. It, agreed. Yeah. Uh, Can I just make a point about that, Mike? Of course. Of course. So back to velocity, right? So I, I want to put it in simple terms. You said it would take six hours to do an email. You're right, right? And then maybe in the retrospective, someone says, well, wait a minute. If we took an extra half an hour and we build a template for this specific email, we could probably do it faster. The next month they do it in four hours right so because of the template they and the brainstorming and the understanding that we could do this better and how we could uh, talk this out now we've just opened up two to three hours of that email so now let's say that same person who did the email says well look i got two to three hours extra you know what i'm going to work on this nurture over here now we have the email campaign running and we have the nurture. So just by definition, we're going to get better results because there's just more activity. Activity breeds more activity. So that's where, like in simple terms, the same people in your marketing department working more efficiently. I did not say working more hours. I did not say working harder, just working smarter. Such a good point. That is 100% right. And it's really one of the benefits of Agile. One of the benefits is also, and this is well documented, the team is generally happier. and when Eric and I started looking at Agile as a methodology for the agency, that was really one of the key things that attracted us to the methodology is we want the people here to have a good experience. We want them to feel like they're appreciated. We want them to feel like they're doing good work, work that is producing results, and that they're involved in the process associated with improving the work that we're doing and the processes associated with that work. And it, it's it, like I said, it's well documented. The people who run Agile are generally happier, stick around longer. And everybody knows retention is really a key issue today. Uh, if you can include them in the process and give them tools like this, I can pretty much guarantee they're gonna have a better experience and stick around in your company longer. So, um, you know, in terms of what results to expect, yes, more efficient execution, be able to get more work done in the same amount of time, your people should be happier and you should expect to see the performance of both sales and marketing execution improve as well, because you're really working on it in, in such a different way. I can't tell you how many companies Eric and I meet where the uh, standard operating procedure is firefighting. 
What do we need? What's on fire today? Okay, we got this, this, and this. Okay, Eric, you put out fire A. Mike put out fire B. Julie, you put out fire C. And we'll talk at the end of the day and make sure all the fires are still actually out and not smoldering or about to like uh, flare up again. Like many, many companies, many marketing departments, even many agencies are run like this. And I do have to say at the end of the day, when you put out all the fires, you do feel very satisfied that you were able to put out all your fires, but that is no way to scale a marketing or uh, revenue generation effort. It's no way to scale a marketing or sales team. It's no way to scale an agency. So uh, if that sounds a little like your place, and you really ought to start looking at some other opportunities, specifically like the ones we're talking about today. Well, I think Agile is getting so much traction now in all sorts. Like I've talked to other professional services firms who are like this Agile thing, oh, we might adopt it for us. Like it's not just for creative and you know uh, technology and stuff like that. But um, what's interesting is that if a listener out there is interviewing a firm, ask them like, what's your operating system? Is it waterfall? Is it Gantt charts? Or is it Agile? If you're interviewing for a position internally, Hey, buddy, any experience with Agile? Like, because this is the way the market is moving simply because it's more efficient. It has the data to show that it's just a better process. So, you know, bake in some of that, uh, some of those queries into whether it's an internal or external conversation about your resources. And the end result will be you'll have a team that's more oriented towards, uh, you know, sprinting as opposed to just knocking off things on a 12-month marketing plan. Yeah, really good point. All right, you want to do some questions? Love the questions. All right. So this is from Kyle in Los Angeles. Does anyone on your team need to be certified in Agile or Scrum to run a process like this? So, you know, I'm going to say it's certainly going to help. And that's exactly what we did is we sent one of our project managers out to be certified in Agile and Scrum. And it definitely provides a lot of value to have someone that is um, uh, formally trained in doing this. We also brought in a consultant to help us learn how to be more agile and to teach our team and to help us with reporting and tools and all of the wraparound things that, that go with really making it part of our DNA. Um, I will tell you after that experience and having our um, certified Scrum Master with us for, I don't know, say she's been here for six or seven years, I think at this point, you, you probably could do it without right? You, you probably could figure this out on your own if you wanted to. But if you're asking me for my advice, I'm going to tell you that it's going to work out better if you have someone who's certified, who is really a practitioner, um, someone that is getting ongoing credits and ongoing training in this area will certainly help also, or just bring in a consultant that has done this before for other companies or other uh, agencies. I think you're going to have a much better experience if you have some some people who are a little more formally trained than if you're trying to figure out on your own. Mike, you heard Big Ass Slices is now introducing Chinese food. We didn't get anybody who knows how to cook Chinese food. We just tried it ourselves to see if we could figure it out. That's not the way it works, right? You got to bring in a Chinese food chef to cut the learning curve and show best practices around that if you want to, of course, have a delicious meal and make money. And I think that those are important factors for folks that are listening because this is a big shift in the way that marketing teams deliver. And if you're going to be a big shift, just hire someone, even if it's an introductory training session, to just give you the ins and outs, because it is a different way of thinking. I think that that money that we invested in that um, consultant, number one, got us up to speed way quicker. And number two, who cares what we paid five years ago? We are now our entire agile shop 
satisfying people all over town because of the seeds that were planted five years ago. So no investment uh, is obviously, nobody wants to make an investment or I should say write a check, but that really is an investment into how your internal marketing team can run a lot more efficiently, get a lot more stuff done, get better results. Yeah, and it could it could be that you just have to find somebody who you can put on this, right? So it's not necessarily having to hire a consultant, but if you have someone who's interested in learning Agile and Scrum, and they can be reallocated towards this, then they can learn it, and they can be responsible for owning it in the company, and they could be responsible for training everybody else and teaching it to everybody else and championing the project. And I think it's more about that approach than it is you know half-assing it right if you're gonna tease it it's not going to be successful and this is probably the same i think we talked about this last time you can't be half pregnant here i think you have to be all in on this or not in on it at all right if if some of the people are doing it and other people are not it's not going to work everybody has to be completely focused on doing it they have to be running the rituals and following the rhythms and talking about velocity and points and all the things that go with it. And again, if you can't get that commitment across your organization, if you can't get that commitment in these departments, then my advice to you would be continue to talk about it until you can get those commitments. Without it, it's going to be very challenging, I think. You think you know. Okay, so here's a related question from Pete in New York City. How long did it take you to teach this methodology to your team and get them comfortable with this? and running it for engagements. So Eric, do you remember the timing associated with this? I mean, we took a couple of new clients as pilot programs, but I, I, in my memory, it was short because yeah. we made some stumbles along the way, but nothing mission critical that uh, the, even the client would even detect because once again, it's the agile methodology is so much more effective. Even if you're doing it at 50%, it's better than the old system. So. I would say that in 90 days we were up and running and maybe we were 85% of the way there after 90 days. Yeah, we did run a pilot to start this, which I think is a good idea. You know, if you're not sure, if you are sure and you want to go into it, you know, with both feet, then I think you can. But if you want to see how it might impact the organization, my advice would be to run a pilot. So, you know, take a couple of people in the organization and, 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 uh, teach them Scrum and teach them Agile and let them start running. It has to be a self-contained unit. In our case, we took um, one uh, strategist and, a, and the people on, at the time we had hives, which was kind of like a self-contained uh, unit within the agency. And that one hive ran Agile while the rest of the agency ran regular uh, deployments, uh, regular engagements. And uh, that allowed us to kind of isolate the test and see what the improvements were and see what the issues were. And we did learn a lot in the pilot that we then ended up rolling out when we went to everybody. But I think Eric's right. We, I think we ran that pilot for a couple of months towards the end of the year, maybe September, October, November. And by then we were pretty sure we wanted to do it with everybody. Probably took another month to get organized around, you know, organizational changes and training and tools and things like that. And I think rolled it out early that next year. And I don't think it really took us more than 30 or 45 days to get everybody up on it and doing what they were supposed to be doing. I do think if we didn't run the pilot, it would have taken us longer because we already knew the makeup of the teams were different than when we started the pilot. And some of the reporting was different when we started the pilot, the ritual rhythms were a little different than when we started the pilot. So 
I think the pilot gave us a lot of insights that we were able to convert into the general rollout, which saved us a lot of time. So I remember the team members that were not in the pilot program right. were like, how do I get in? How do I get in? Right. And they were a little jealous, which was good because then we had that momentum when we shipped, uh, switched the whole shop over. Right. Yes, that is 100 percent true. All right. Here's a question from John in Dallas. Uh, do you have clients running this approach or is it mostly for the agencies? It's a good question. Uh, how would you answer that? Well, I mean, I could only, you know, I, I'm on the front end, you know, talking to people. I would say that less than 50% of uh, internal marketing teams are running on some kind of agile basis and not for anything besides not being aware. The leadership did not uh, encourage the marketing team to look for ways where they could be more efficient and subsequently more velocity. It's just, they don't know about it. Even now, when I say, hey, let's talk about how we work to make sure it's a fit with what you want. Have you ever heard of the agile methodology? People in software and technology, of course, say yes, but mostly everybody else says no. And then I have to give a quick example, and it actually doesn't do it justice because you can't describe the powerful impact of uh, the agile methodology in just you know a 30-second description. What I will say, though, is that when clients experience how we work with Agile, that does influence the internal team and they might make changes to say, wow, I get it. Let's watch what Square Two did and then we'll apply that internally. We'll continue to have our 90-day quarterly planning and our 30-day sprints even after they graduate from our program. Yeah, I agree. A lot of our clients who are in the software space understand Agile and they're using it in, in a variety of, of de departments and teams across their company. So. In those cases, it's probably fairly um, frequent that we see companies like that applying similar methodologies to marketing and sales. I also think we spend a lot of time teaching our clients and giving them frameworks and tools and things that they can then take to apply this when we're gone. So I'm not going to say every single client uses this after we leave, but a lot of them do. They continue the 30-day the planning exercises. They continue the collaboration meetings or the sprint planning meetings. I'm guessing that the rituals probably fall off because that's something that maybe I, I could see them, you know, blowing by if, if they're trying to cut a corner or two. Um, but just doing the sprint planning and doing the prioritization and looking at what can get done in a certain amount of time, those are big takeaways that clients pick up from working with us. So I think in, in a lot of cases, they're applying pieces of it. And again, you know, when they hire us, they don't have someone in-house who's an agile uh, certified person. So when we leave, you know, there's nobody really there to represent the methodology. So they're going to just kind of stick with bits and pieces that, that, that we've kind of ingrained into their uh, uh, work systems. And that's generally what they end up with. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, we evangelized inbound marketing, we evangelized, you know, uh, agile, like we're, we're trying to be progressive and being pro progressive takes a lot of hard work but the payoff is substantial. And I don't know, I'm not criticizing, but a lot of folks just don't want to take that extra effort. They don't want to disrupt things. They like the way it is. And I think the essence of today's show is encouraging people that are listening to at least be open-minded that there might be a better way to deliver marketing activities. Agreed. All right, so Mark in Orlando, are there some resources that we could read or review to help us continue to learn about this approach? So you remember the book that kind of got this started for us? Oh, my God. Uh, 
I totally remember the book. In fact, uh, you encouraged everybody to read it. And I was driving someplace really far and I got it on books on tape or whatever it's called, right? Audible. And I remember listening to this description and I'm breaking into a sweat, understanding right away the impact it would have on our agency. So, oh gosh, what's the name of it? All yeah, right. uh, no, I got You're it. Talking, I'm Googling. I got it, I got it. It's how to uh, do oh, twice as much work in half the time. Yep. Right. Jeff Sutherland, I think, yep. is, the, is the author. So I would start there, um, Mark. And then I would look, there's a lot of art, web articles on this. So if you Google, you know, agile in marketing, you're going to find a lot of articles. There's articles in our on our website about agile. If you go to our blog um, and, and search agile, you'll see some interesting articles from a marketing perspective. There are either even some uh, consulting companies that really specialize in teaching this to, to people, not just software developers, but other departments within companies that want to learn about that. So there are uh, quite a bit of resources, but that book would be a great place to start. Jeff does a really good job explaining it and talking about the migration from the software space into other, uh, not only businesses, like one of the main, Eric, do you remember one of the main stories in the book is about the FBI. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the FBI had a big like data project, and right. they yes, 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 and yes. they wanted to use Agile to make sure that all the users had their requirements covered, and it was really interesting how the FBI ap applied it. So you know, take a look at that. A big lumbering government agency actually used Agile to be more efficient in their delivery of the. I forget what the application was. It was some kind of um, tracking system for. Uh, not criminals, but suspects or, you know, people that they were trying to keep their eyes on. It was really, really an interesting Yeah, they couldn't story. keep track of them previously. And and share data across departments. That was also yeah. a big thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so there are actually- I Really, that, that one book changed the whole way that we thought about delivery. Right. And there are actually, interestingly enough, quite a few stories in the book that are not software related, which also helps when you're not a software company, you're trying to apply this. So I would start there, Mark. Really good resource. All right. Uh, this is from Phil in Pittsburgh. Who in your company would be controlling this process? Is it a campaign manager or a director level person? That's a good question. Um, the answer in our world is, you know, this this project manager, right? She she's the one who is certified and trained, and she runs all the rituals, and she you know keeps the rhythms moving you know, make sure that the planning sessions are efficient and that people are heard and we've collected all the requirements for our clients for that particular month. So I think in, you know, if, you, if we're trying to apply this in-house, Eric, I don't know what you think, but I might suggest like a, the marketing operations person or, you know, if the sales and marketing teams are aligned, uh, you could have a revenue operations person who's looking at this process across departments, which I, I think would be the optimal way to do it. Um, and they would be responsible for setting the meetings and keeping track of the work and, and managing the rituals and collecting the information and tracking the performance of the different teams, keeping track of velocity, reporting back to leadership. They're already doing it anyway. They're, they're, they're probably involved yeah. in the campaign tracking and the revenue tracking and the results, uh, oriented, uh, performance of individual campaigns. So you know, the, the, the real reason that I'd suggest something like that is it, it allows your, and, and you mentioned it, Phil, the campaign manager, 
I think you want your campaign manager focused on campaign execution and you want your salespeople focused on sales and, and marketing leadership focused on good guidance, sales leadership focused on coaching and mentoring sales reps. And, you know, if you start giving those people other tasks to do, then you're going to end up with them doing kind of a variety of roles in a mediocre way, instead of being really great at one thing. So Eric, I don't know if you have a different perspective on it, but no, I, think, I, 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 I think most companies would have some sort of project manager. It's just kind of an extension of that. Yeah. Yeah. But they have to have this revenue or marketing and sales focus in order for this to work. Like uh, you might be successful putting a traditional project manager into this role, but I think you'd be more successful finding someone who is highly organized with some project management experience, either at an agency or, you know, the, maybe it's the person who works with all your outside agencies, but they're an in-house resource. They actually would probably be a good candidate for someone who's going to be looking at doing this across your organization. Uh, but I don't think it would be a campaign manager or the director. I think you want someone who has much more focus on the methodology and on the execution across the different teams in the company. Yeah, got to keep those trains running. You sure do. All right. Uh, this is from Barry in New Jersey. Uh, does your agency teach people how to run agile marketing campaigns? We did kind of talk about this a little bit, and it's an interesting question. You know, we don't really do it formally. We don't have like an agile marketing training service that we provide. But as Eric mentioned earlier, when you work with us, our whole core value is is always teaching, always learning. It's one of our, you know, important uh, core values as the company. So, you know, a big part of our engagement is to teach you how to do some of the things that you should be doing. So, you know, I guess I would say it's a free prize inside when you work with us is you do, if you're open to it, you learn how we run these agile marketing campaigns and you learn how we use these rituals in-house and you're always, all of our clients are invited to participate in these rituals. Not many take us up on it because they have their own agendas and their own things that they're trying to accomplish. But, you could really learn how to do this if you were open to it simply by working with us. So to answer your question, we don't really teach people formally how to do it, but you can certainly learn how to do it if you work with us. Free prize inside. Love it. All right, Donna in Toronto, she wants to know, what gains have you seen from clients who got a, uh, who moved from a waterfall approach to an agile approach when working with you? I think you could answer that for her. Say it again. What gains have you seen from clients who have gone from a waterfall approach to an agile approach? Oh, oh, oh I see you? gains. Okay, I didn't get the gains part. Okay, so here's something interesting, right? We've talked on the show about the accelerator program. The accelerator, for those who are new to the show, six months worth of work condensed down into 30 days. That's uh, done by a full-time team, not like a fractional team like most agencies would provide. So here's where the gains really come in. We go through and we say, look, this is what we think you should do. We think we could do this in 30 days. Here's a list of all the things. Here's the price. Let's go. And using the agile methodology and working in real time with the clients hand in glove, sometimes 30 days worth of work gets done in 27. That enables the client to have three days with eight people to lean into projects that maybe were on the parking lot or didn't think that we could get done that actually get done providing more value to the client. Now, it's more value to the client from the agency's per perspective, but also from the client's perspective, they had more, uh, more stuff that could lead to more results. 
So I remember I was talking two days ago and they, the, the prospective client really, really, really wants a video campaign and about 10 different videos to talk about their different service offerings. So when we looked at it, we said, yeah, we probably won't be able to fit that in. And then we had the same conversation we're having now, like, well, what if? So our promise to them was, if you uh, uh, work with the team in an agile fashion, if you give us fast and uh, fast feedback and, uh, and uh, quick uh, approvals, then we will plan to do the video storyboarding, copywriting and strategy in the last one, two or three days, depending on how much time we have. And I don't think you could comfortably promise that unless you were working on an agile methodology, because it's agile is flexible. It could go up, it could go down. You could move faster. You can apply different resources. But if we were doing the old statement of work, we would have just planned it out. And this is what we're doing today. And, you know, that's the kind of rigid system that we live in. You can never have that conversation about getting more done than we actually promised. So I think those are some of the gains that I'm looking at from a agile versus waterfall approach. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard question to ask um, Donna, because the gains are so subjective client by client. But if you want to go back to the website example, if you're going to wait for your website to be finished and it's going to take six months, then you're really not seeing any gains around the performance of your website for six months. Now you might think that you're going to catch up because in six months you're going to launch your big website and all of the opportunity and all of the gains will show up in the sixth month or the seventh month after the launch. But in reality, if you published a smaller site after 30 days and you kept adding to that site every single month, you the, the performance of that smaller site and the data you got from the performance of that smaller site is going to eclipse the performance of that big launch site in the seventh month. In, in essence, the site you have that we, we worked on agilely every single month is going to perform better than the site that we launched at the six month mark. And it's probably going to outperform that site significantly. I mean, when I, I'm talking like 50 to 75% better because of all of the time that we've had, to, <coughs> excuse me, all of the time that we've had to look at the data, see where people are uh, uh, behaving with the site, add things to it, you know, uh, adjust the way the pages are presented, change the messaging when it seems like it's falling short, test different offers to drive conversion, make sure that the site is highly optimized for Google. You're just going to be so far ahead of the game at the six month mark when you do it in an agile way than you are if you wait and keep it behind uh, lock and key and then release it to the world with, with like a, a big set of fanfare. You're, you know, in fact, I would say so strongly, I would never recommend a client do it like that because, you know, not only are the gains important, but the education and the learning along the way is, is even more important because that's going to inform so many other things, email campaigns, content creation, um, uh, keyword selection, uh, maybe even like to use video or not to use video, like, hey, this page is not doing great. If we used a video on it, it might do better. Great. Let's try a video. Wow. It worked. Okay. Video needs to be everywhere. Like you wouldn't learn that until the seventh month and maybe not even the seventh month because it might take you month seven, eight or nine to get all that data that we got, you know, in month two, three and four. So uh, 
you know, it's it's almost like the gains far outweigh the risks associated with doing a smaller site, uh, almost to the point where, like I said, we rarely recommend it. And the only time we do waterfall approach for clients is when they absolutely insist on it. It's not our, it's not our desired way to work with clients. Great point. Last but not least, how common is this approach, Eric? Do you see companies working like this often? Why don't you think more companies have moved to this approach? It makes so much sense. What do you, uh, how do you answer that uh, for Jennifer in Chicago? Jennifer in Chicago, I don't know what's up with people. We just gave you 52 minutes of reasoning why you should go agile. You think people are going to stop what they're doing tomorrow and start going agile? No, they're comfortable in their current rhythms. You know, I interviewed Dharmesh Shah last week, uh, the founder of HubSpot, co-founder of HubSpot. And I asked him on that interview, why are so many people still doing outbound when inbound obviously is a better match with the way people buy? And he gave the same answer. It's hard to change your behavior. This is the way we've always done it. This is what I'm comfortable with. I don't want to learn a new thing. I don't want to include risk in my equation. I mean, I could go on and on. But I think always history favors the bold. And if you're bold enough to try something new, if you're bold enough to move out of your comfort zone, you reap the rewards. I mean, would you ever, unless there's something better than Agile, Mike, that we don't know about, would you ever go back to the old method after you've experienced Agile? No. Simple as that. Just give it a try. Well, I don't like broccoli. Well, Jimmy, you've never tried it. Give it a try and then decide. Hey, mom, I do like broccoli. I was wrong. That's all. It's just as simple as taking that leap of faith to try something a little bit different. And look, it's a change exercise, right? We all know companies are not good at change, right? You have to get buy-in from everybody. Like you're going to have your naysayers that you have to deal with. Oh, this sounds stupid. I like the way we're doing it now. Like, why would you change it? You know, like it's a big effort. You have to have the stomach for it. You have to have the support for it. You, you can't go back. You know, this is again, like, I just love this analogy. Cortez came to the new world. He burned his boats because he just didn't want his crew thinking they could hop back on and go back to Spain. Like it's the same thing. You have to go all in, put all your chips in the middle and understand that you're going to win that hand if you can stick it out and get this to work. But, you know, why don't more companies do it? Eric's right. Like it's just easier to do things the way they've been doing it. And who wants to really fight the good fight? Some people want to just get by. So um, I couldn't possibly... You know, the way marketing executes today, I couldn't possibly see how this wouldn't be a huge game changer for a company that is still looking at either long-term planning, not using data, not including teams in terms of collaborating on what kind of execution to, to, to do, not looking at what worked and didn't work and making changes to it, not taking a continuous improvement or an optimization approach to what you're doing. There's just so much data that's informing these decisions they have to be made more frequently and they have to be made quickly so uh again you know take it from us we've been doing this for six or seven years now and it it really transformed the way we work with clients the results our clients get from working with us and we've seen plenty of internal marketing departments pick this up and have similar results so um make your case stick to it and uh get them to make the big change Anything you want to add, Eric, before we wrap up? Time for happy hour, Mike. Time for happy hour. Everybody, thanks for joining us. I really didn't do a good job reminding you in the beginning where you can find our content. We're on YouTube at the Square Two Marketing Channel. All of the What's Wrong With Revenue 
uh, shows are on the Square Two YouTube channel. You can check them all out there. They'll be up tomorrow morning. All of our audio and video content are available on our free streaming service, Square Two Plus, at squaretomarketing.com backslash square two plus. If you love the show and you want to submit a question and you want the show on your calendar and you want to attend live and you want to get the show emailed to you the next day, head on over to the website, shoot down to the footer. There's a page called What's Wrong With Revenue. You can go there and you can uh, submit a question, get us on your calendar and subscribe directly there for the show. Thanks to everybody who've been watching over the past 35 episodes. Thanks to everybody who listens, who comment, and who submit questions. We really appreciate it. And stay tuned for next Wednesday when we're going to talk about what's wrong with revenue, your marketing, and sales materials are all about you. If you want a little preview into the problem here, take a look at your website and just see how many times you talk about you versus how many times you talk about your prospects. If it's more times you, then you might have a problem with revenue. Thanks, everybody, for joining. We'll catch you next week and have a good evening. Thanks, Eric. See you guys.